Hey, this is Jake from New Medicine, and you're listening to Iron City Rock. Hey, what's up, people? Jason Newstead here. You're checking out Iron City Rocks. Hey, what's up? It's Andy from Blackville Brides, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, this is Jake Pitts from Blackville Brides. You're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, this is Jinx from Blackville Brides, and this is Iron City Rocks. All right, Pittsburgh! You are the best! You got the best! Welcome to episode 252 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 252, we've got uh, two very great guests. Uh, We have introducing uh, kind of a newer band, New Medicine. Uh, We have Jake Shearer joining us on the line. Uh, They're out on the road with Hailstorm right now. And also returning to the show for what I believe is his fourth time now, we have Andy Beersack of the Black Veil Brides. Uh, Andy and the Blackville Brides will be at uh, Stage AE in Pittsburgh on the 17th of November to do a show, Falling in Reverse. We've got a great new album out. It's just a self-titled album, Blackville Brides. Uh, some places you'll see it listed as Blackville Brides 4. Uh, I believe the official title is just Blackville Brides. Uh, I've got a great new video for Goodbye Agony, uh, so you can check that out. Uh, really a, a killer, killer album, uh, kind of a completely different direction from The Wretched and Divine. Uh, for those familiar with that album, had a lot of orchestration. They done uh, Jake had done all kind of string parts or you know orchestral pieces for it. This album is a straight on rock record, uh, and a lot of that probably can be uh, contributed to the producer Bob Rock, who has worked with the likes of Bon Jovi, Metallica. He produced Doctor Feelgood from Motley Crue, so you can get a sense for the kind of uh, music he produced. So we talked uh, with Andy uh, quite a bit about Bob Rock's influence on this. So. Without further ado, we're going to get into Goodbye Agony from the Black Veil Brides, and I think you can feel them channeling uh, Lars Ulrich on the drums uh, as Christian Coma kind of goes into this track. So check this out, and we'll talk to Andy Beersack.
Andy, great to have you back on the show. You have uh, guessed on a few times. Uh, we had you actually as far back as the We Stitches Wounds tour. Um, I know. Question I'm for you. With the show now, man. I'm a big fan now. Awesome. Hey, uh, question for you. Um, you guys sit down to start writing this album, obviously following the um, the landmark album of Wretched and Divine. Uh, kind of ratchet up the pressure. I mean, obviously, you guys went in a kind of a different direction with this record, you know, a little more metal, a little less orchestration. Was that a conscious decision? I think so. I think that coming out of Russian Divine, while it was certainly something that I'm very proud of and something that we enjoy and something that, you know, in many ways, obviously, a song like In the End or, or many others are going to be songs that will always be associated with the band and were some of our biggest successes. I mean, we owe so much of the current career and status that we have to a song like In the End. Um, we felt like we really wanted to get back to something that was a bit more simple and uh, more organic, I guess, in the way that the songs are written. Um, even prior to Bob Rock uh, coming in and being involved, the the mission statement was really to come back together as the five of us and, and to write a record that we felt was representative of all five of our uh, collective uh, artistic emotions or whatever you want to call it. So, um, once Bob entered the picture and Bob's process of, of pre-production and kind of wanting the band to be constantly together, et cetera, uh, it really meshed pretty well. I think there was, it was certainly something where, um, we, it was the best we've ever gotten along, uh, both, uh, in terms of friendship and creatively in the process mm-hmm. of making any record. And I think it really, uh, it comes through in the album. I think that it, when we listen down to the record and, and I have a few times since it's been out, uh, it really does feel very representative of the five of us. Yeah, I mean, well, I know from speaking with Jake and Jinx, you guys kind of went and did your parts in different different studios and things. So this time you guys were a little more you know, in the same room, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that, because, uh, you know, we, we spoke to Bob early on, and, and one of the things we said was, you know, one of our favorite records, obviously both sonically and in terms of just the impact that it had is, is obviously the Black Album. And we Perfect. wanted to know, in many ways, what was the production process like for that record? Because if you're going to have Bob Rock come in, the producer of one of your favorite albums, collectively as a band, why not uh, try to you know replicate that process as much as possible? And so we really went through it. And one of the things that he said the key to that record was, was extensive pre-production. And the fact that he kind of took the band away from their homes and said, you're a band, you're going to be together, the five of you, and, and uh, you know here it is. So that's, that's really what we did, was uh, take the time to to really reacquaint ourselves with the idea of being a rock and roll band and writing songs together and not doing it so piecemeal. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, one of the problems is that we are kind of a product of our environment and time, the time frame in which we exist. And that is that records are made on the fly and they're made in pro tools and bands have very little time to sit down and write and to really uh, communicate as a band anymore because budgets being what they are, et cetera, you don't really just, you don't have the opportunity to do it. So we were very fortunate that the label got behind us and uh, said, you know, make this record with Bob the way that you want to make it. And um, we had extensive pre-production. We wrote, you know, songs after songs after songs in a in a rehearsal studio together in North Hollywood and uh, really hammered out the ones that we felt were the best for the record and moved on from there. Um, we went up to Vancouver, uh, again, kind of following the Black Album path and then recorded on the same desk that they recorded that record on. and. Uh, Little Mountain Studios where they made uh, the Black Album is no longer uh, up there, but the desk and console and everything are now in a place called The Warehouse uh, that Ryan Adams owns in uh, in, uh, in Vancouver. And we went up there with uh, with Bob and came back down to L.A. and mixed the record in Henson, which uh, used to be A&M Studios, which is the same place that they mixed the Black Album. We really did try to go for the whole uh, experience, and, and I think that sonically and emotionally we really were able to, to land that. 
Yeah, I know. I mean, the, the, the moment you listen to Goodbye Agony, you can you can almost channel Lars' drum sound. You know, it sounds like a pop rock album. Did you guys, you know, when you started to put this project together and making this album, did you say, you know, obviously Feldman made, you know, a historic album for you guys. Did you, did you guys kind of consciously say, yeah, we want Bob Rock and approach him? Or how does that kind of, how do you go about getting the producer you want? Uh, to be to be honest with you, it was a situation where I don't know, and, I, and I've said this a few times, and I, I think that it's almost, in some ways, a disappointing story to people because I think that people would want to hear the idea that, you know, we sat outside Bob's house for weeks at a time <laughs> and tried to get his attention and everything. But the reality is I think that Bob and people like Bob are kind of in a, in a world where a young band, you don't even consider the fact that that's a, an available option to you. You know, you kind of look up, especially in a time where rock and roll music has kind of shifted a lot and budgets aren't as big for rock bands and uh, you know i always make the joke in some ways to try to get a record done for a heavy metal band or a hard rock band is kind of like you know being being a rotary sales or a rotary telephone salesman or a black and white tv salesman you know you're trying yeah. to pitch something that is not going to pull in the funds that a company may need so uh for us it was a situation where we hadn't even intended really to go back and make a record uh right away and i was kind of working on my solo stuff and uh, I got a call one morning from my manager that just said, hey, do you want to go to Swingers in Hollywood tomorrow at 8 a.m. and have breakfast with Bob Rock? He's uh, he's saying he wants to produce the new Blackfield Brides record. And so, you know, we went, oh, okay, yes, for sure. We can definitely go and have breakfast with Bob Rock. Uh, you know, and we all kind of had our little uh, our little freak out and, and fanboy freak out and uh, met up with him. And, and it just turns out that he had heard in the end on the radio a bunch of times and became intrigued by the band. Um, it's important to know that Bob has not really been making hard rock records for quite some time. Uh, right. he, you know, and, and understandably so kind of, he did what he needed to do in that arena and kind of left. And, uh, it was really cool to hear that he had been listening to our songs and, uh, was interested enough, uh, in the band just on a, on a sonic level to be involved with us and kind of decided on his own that he was going to produce this record, whether we knew it was going to exist or not, Bob was ready to make it. So we met with him the following day, and uh, we all just synced up right away. You know, it really was a very simple, uh, you know, story. It maybe doesn't have the fairy tale elements to it, but I think in many ways, having someone hear your song on the radio uh, of that stature, and then just saying, "I'm going to work with this band," is something that I think everybody dreams of. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to hear you say that because obviously, you know, you have quite a following, uh, you know, with a young audience. Uh, but it's it's always neat to see. I know on on your Instagram not that long ago you had a picture of yourself with one of the guys from Penn and Teller. To hear you is still as a fan. I mean, did you dig out like the Black Album or Doctor Feelgood when you went to that breakfast meeting for him to sign, or is it you try to be a little cooler uh, when no, you meet no, somebody like that? But I'll tell you, I'll tell you a funny thing is, I gener gen generally, and I've met quite a few people in it, and this is not meant as a brag, but I've met quite a few of my heroes in my life, and. Uh, generally speaking, I can kind of keep it together, and particularly in a context where I need to be doing something where I'm kind of in business mode, Andy, and talk about budgets and time constraints and everything else. I, I found myself, he walked into the diner, and his hair looked the same as in every behind the music you've ever seen, and he's, you know, he's, yeah. you know, he's Bob Rock. <laughs> and I genuinely had a minute or two when I sat down at the table where I think I, I just nervously readjusted all of the cutlery on the table for like a solid yeah. few minutes, just trying to like find my bearings. Uh, and then, you know, once I got through that, then it was like, all right, let's talk business. But initially there really was that. And the cool thing about Bob is that he is so anti, you know, oh my God, it's Bob Rock. Uh, there's so many examples 
too numerous to even mention of, of people coming into the studio or people wanting his autograph or whatever else. And he's always so gracious, but when they would leave or whatever, he go, oh man, you know, I just, you know, I'm just one of the guys, I just want to make this record, you know, and he really just wants to be a member of the band in that context of being kind of like the sixth member. And uh, mm-hmm. he never made us feel like he was, you know, the all-powerful Bob Rock. It really felt like this is our friend Bob that we're making a record with. And that was really something that I'll always really respect and, and owe him a lot for, because he could have come in and said, this is a young band who's obviously looked up to my work. I can kind of throw my weight around. And he never did that. He was always very kind. And, uh, you know, he would get there first and stay there last every night. Yeah, no, I mean, as far as, like, I mean, obviously Metallica made a great DVD. I don't recall the name off the top of my head, but they kind of chronicled the writing of that album, you know, and the recording with Bob. Was that yeah, similar? Yeah, I mean, in the life the, of Metallica. Exactly. Was it, you know, was, did he kind of ride you guys sometimes and had to be kind of like the guy in charge, or was it more of a partnership? You know, we, uh, I, I talked to somebody, uh, we, I did an interview recently with uh, someone who was, who was writing a Metallica biography, or he's written quite a few, and he uh, was kind of doing a follow-up piece about the current uh, status of, of Bob and what Bob's been doing, and he was asking me about, you know, the kind of classic, hard-nosed Bob Rock kind of tactics. And, and what I what I said is, is, I really feel like if you are a band who you're going in there under the pretense that you are the shit and that, you know, you're going to, you know, do the greatest record of all time and you don't need to work for it, then I can see where Bob might, you might, you know, bump heads a little bit. But we're hard workers, you know. We exist in a context where we like to put out a record every year and we like to work hard for that album. Um, We aren't millionaires, you know, we're in a rock and roll band in 2014, the biggest yeah. thing on the line is that we want to make something that we enjoy. And so we went in there with the preset notion that we were going to work hard and bust our asses. And we were in every day at 9 a.m. and, and out whenever, you know, whether it was 3, 4 a.m., whatever. Um, we like to work hard. We don't, we don't know it no. any other way. And again, I think that in some ways that's a positive that comes from the, the time frame in which we are a rock and roll band. Um, nothing is really given to rock bands like it used to be. There, are, There's no handouts. Uh, again, none of us are millionaires. We we really do it for the love of the music, and we were there to work. So we we had nothing but a positive experience with Bob, and there was no uh, yelling or, or negativity or whatever. Bob and I would minorly clash for minutes at a time, just because I'm very kind of uh, I, I'm a bit of a control freak, and, and uh, uh, but I think it was more it was more of an enjoyable kind of ribbing each other occasionally. You know, I'd be sitting sure. at the desk as he's trying to to mix or do something, and I'm sitting right next to him watching every move he's making, and we would kind of joke each other, and I go, oh, "Hey man, am I sitting close enough to you yet, or am I in your <laughs> way enough yet?" And that kind of thing. That's awesome. Uh, obviously, you guys are out on the road now doing this. Uh, you're going to be coming into Pittsburgh on the 17th. Um, a little bit easier to get this music ready for the stage without all the orchestration for you guys. Uh, you know, I, there's just a, there's an element of energy to a lot of these new songs that it, we you know we put a few of them up in the front of the of the set on this tour, and it, 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 I wouldn't necessarily say it was easier, but it certainly. Uh, it was probably more fun than than ever before to rehearse and, and get together these new songs. Um, they're ass kickers, though. I mean, for me, Bob pushed me so much vocally on this record, and the way that I even tracked the vocals was so different that uh, it's certainly something that, you know, we always make the joke, the first four songs live every night are the ones that are the biggest ass kickers for all of us on stage. So if we make it through the first four, then we know it's going to be a good show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it's, it's, it's really kind of neat. I mean, the riffing in this album uh, has come a long way. You know, I think from listening to the earlier records, you know, for fans of a band like Pantera, this is probably a lot more approachable than some of the other material. 
you know, so it'll be fantastic to see you guys do that live. And it's nice to see you getting into bigger venues here in the U.S. and, and being able to do the production that, you know, this band, I think, needs, you know, visually is really, you know, going to be a great thing. So it's going to be awesome to see you guys. Yeah, it's been it's been really great. Uh, one thing I was saying is that, you know, again, not to not to harp on on the same point is that, you know, there certainly isn't uh, a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow when it comes to our wallets. But the one great cachet of any kind of success is that we've been able to afford to bring much bigger shows every time we've toured. And so far, this is the biggest production we've had. Uh, you know, and obviously it's hard to bring the pyro in many markets in the States just because of the, the tragedies that occurred. And there's a lot of zoning issues sure. or, and, uh, you know, whatever else like we can in, in Europe and the UK. But we've we've had some pyro in the States and in the places that we can. But more than anything, we've brought the biggest stage show. I mean, we've got semis full of gear. We've got video screens. It's, it's finally nice to be able to give the show that I feel is most adequate for this kind of music. Right. Yeah, and it's a double-edged sword. I mean, I know from, you know, just in Scott Ian's new book, you know, he talked about how the production, you know, basically broke the bank and everybody went home from the tour broke. So it's good to you know, kind of have that balance. Like you guys are grounded in, you know, obviously in 2014, the music industry doesn't, you know, as you said, no one's becoming a millionaire. So you guys, you know, have your foot in reality, which is very important. The reality obviously. is very simple. If we toured in a van... Uh, with a trailer and had, you know, no amenities and no stage show, and we just went up and played a show on stage every night, we could stand to make a lot of money on tour. Uh, that's mm -hmm. not really the show that we've promised our fans, and that's not what I think people come to expect from the band. Um, and yeah. so to me, we've always been a band that has always siphoned whatever money we can back into the band uh, and really right. to give the best show possible. Uh, the other thing is that, you know, visually we no longer have quite the theatrical appearance. Obviously, we're not coming in like hobos off the street or whatever, but we certainly still uh, have some level of theatricality, but it's not the big makeup and the hair and everything. So we're now fortunate that we can give that level of production and theatricality in the direction of the stage show itself as opposed to just, you know, our crazy hair and clothes. Yeah, exactly. Well, Andy, it's always a pleasure. I, I wish you guys all the best. We'll see you when you get into town next Monday here in Pittsburgh, all right? Yes, can't wait. We're really excited. I, Pittsburgh's always been such a great city to us, and uh, this is obviously the biggest venue we've played in Pittsburgh, and so it's it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it'll be awesome. Thank you so much, Andy. You have a have a good tour. Thank you. Talk to you later. Bye. All right, thanks. All right, giant thanks to Andy Biersack of the Blackfell Brides for coming back on the show again. November 17th, Stage AE, going to be doing a show with Falling in Reverse. Uh, should be a, a giant show. I hope to see a really great crowd. I know the last time I had an opportunity to catch them at Alter Bar in Pittsburgh, uh, just packed to the rafter. So good to see them spread out into a, a bigger venue as well. So we're going to turn our attention now to a band that's out on the road, uh, New Medicine, a hot new band. Uh, they're on the road uh, doing shows with Hailstorm through the month of December. So we had a chance to talk to Jake Shearer. Uh, about things going on with the band and their kind of unique blend of hip-hop elements and uh, rock and metal. So let's get into uh, the lead-off track from their new album, Breaking the Model. This is Breaking the Model from the next Fuck it. We are breaking the model. We 
I'd like to welcome to the show from the band New Medicine. We have joining us guitarist Jake Shearer. How you doing, Jake? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me. My pleasure, my pleasure. Uh, had an opportunity to check out your latest record, Breaking the Model. Uh, fantastic uh, record. It's got elements of, you know, some old school metal. You've got kind of a, almost a hip-hop flavor to it, a little, a little bit of pop influence. Do you want to talk a little bit about how that record came together? Um, yeah, you know, um, I've always been an eclectic listener of music, and so is everybody in the band. And um, instead of uh, trying to stay one-dimensional to fit any kind of a format, we decided we want to put all of our influences together and, and see um, what comes out of that. And uh, our, our record is called Breaking the Model, as you said, and um, it fits our mission statement um, uh, on the industry and and, uh, and music in general of just, hey, it's okay to, to break the mold once in a while and not to fit in with any formula or anything like that. Um, so that was uh, our our, our uh, intention on this record. And we think we we did it. Like you said, we we take it point that there's some, there's some tons of high energy um, uh, rock stuff. We even brought in some electronic influence, some hip-hop influence. You know, all of the things that we love about music, we try to put into this record and, and you know, and focus on it and, and make it as, as best it, it can be. Now, um, kind of becoming a musician, were there particular um, kind of bands that you gravitated to? You know, when I listen to this record, I take away a little bit of, you know, Linkin Park influence. Um, maybe I'm off my rocker, but it was that something you guys listened to a, a decent amount? I grew up listening to Parkinson, and then Rage Against the Machine, Lincoln Park, um, the DC Boys, uh, Nirvana, uh, Foo Fighters, Stone Age. And it's cool to kind of like, you know, um, put put something together that we feel like, you know, has been done yet. You know what I mean? Like it's a little bit left to center, and it, it's... Uh, you know, hopefully refreshing for people to hear, but also you can hear um, our influence in there, you know? Sure. Now, you guys have had, you know, pretty good success with touring. Uh, you guys have been put on, um, you've done the Uproar Festival, you've done the Carnival of Madness uh, Festival. Um, do you find uh, there are particular acts out there, the, the, the more electronic kind of progressive bands like a Linkin Park, like a, you know, uh, even like a Slipknot type of audience, or do you find yourself with fans kind of coming from the metal genre, or do you really get kind of a nice mix? Um, you know what, we, we see a nice mix. You know, we, we play uh, tons of different varieties of shows. You know, we go on tour the binge. Um, they have a young following. A very mm -hmm. young, they have a like, young and old. They have a very young following. It's cool for us. The bands like Hollywood on Dead, we tour with a very young following, and you get a certain fan there. But, um, you know, we've been blessed to be able to have such an eclectic um Sound that we can kind of hang with different with different themes, and and we kind of always stick out. But that's okay. I think that's what people walk away with. But they walk away with seeing a show and seeing honesty and seeing genuine, um, uh, sincere rock and uh, sincere music that we put out there. And so it's cool because we always take it as a challenge on every show. Because we never really feel like we fit in with any show we are on, but we take it as a challenge to win as many people over as we can. And you know, we've had success in so many different. Um, situations, even from, you know, warp tours or Rock in the Range or playing with Rob Zombie to, you know, out with Hailstorm or Ben Sevenfold or Shinedown or Evanescence. So it's been cool to play to such a huge audience and, and to see that fans of all types 
you know, from Stone Tower Slipknot fans to, like I said, to, you know, work to our kid that we can, we can um, kind of not have to be uh, one-dimensional as far right. as um, when it comes to our fans. Yeah, that's exactly, a, you know, a, a really good point. You know, if you pigeon yourself, pigeonhole yourself too much, it's, you know, it is hard to grow an audience. So, you know, that, that's probably a well designed plan um can you talk a little bit the, the obviously the the latest album just came out in august breaking them the model uh your previous release came out in 2010 um you know in an era you know obviously with record sales what they are can you talk a little bit about why so long in between albums was it just a matter of you know paying the bills by being on the road or how did that time kind of pass well it was a combination of things um we put a record on 2010, like you said, and uh, we toured a lot. We ended up, you know, on that first record cycle, we ended up playing 345 shows. I got a list from our agent of all the shows we did a, a, a couple weeks ago, and it's cool to see. Um, it was a lot, a lot of time on the road, you know, a lot of tours. We were blessed to play a lot of great shows. But what happened was, you know, for us, um, was we toured on the record for about a year and a half, almost two years. About a year and a half, I guess it was. Um, it was like the fall of... Um, 2011, I believe it was, and, and then in the fall of 2011, as we kind of started winding down things a little bit, we were kind of thinking, ah, maybe we'll do a little bit more touring in the spring, and then maybe we'll start working on a new record. Well, then all of a sudden, our song Racing to the Bottom started picking up on radio, and all of a sudden, it became like this viral hit, and mm-hmm. Octane picked it up, and they started jamming it, and all of a sudden, we started, like, you know, we had sold, we sold you know, in the first year and a half, we, or whatever, almost two years, we sold extra on a record, but in the, in the next year, we sold, you know, double that, and it was just, it was crazy to see um, once one song can find its audience, um, what can happen, and so then we ended up getting on a bunch more tours the next um, spring and summer, and it ended up, we ended up touring all the way through 2012 as well, so then, you know, 2013 came along, and um, we definitely needed a break from the road, because we went on the road so long, and we ended up actually going through a couple member changes. We, you know, some of the guys, our, our old bass player, um, Matt, he went and moved to um, Africa. He okay. wanted to pursue other things. And so we had, he moved away. We, and we also, at the time, we weren't sure if we were going to do our next record with Atlantic or if they were going to pick up our option or not. You know, we had, um, you know, a, a top 15 song. But these days, like you said, record sales are kind of in the tank. And, and when you're on a major label, it really comes down to brass tacks most of the time. And, you know, it ended up being a mutual thing in the end, and we amicably split with Atlantic, but we also had a record label split. So, you know, come spring of 2013, we're, no, we don't have a label. We're, uh, we're, we have a couple members that are leaving to do other things. And so we had to kind of regroup. And, you know, we're lucky enough we had, like, four or five record deals. We, we written a batch of songs, and about in the summer of 2013, we had, had gotten a bunch of offers for deals, and, you know, we had been writing, so... We wrote we wrote most of the year in 2013 and and and, um, and, uh, and then in the fall in November we started recording breaking the model and uh, you know it just takes time and we got done in about uh, February or March and uh, it just took time to, to set up the release and stuff and get it all mixed and mastered and artwork and all that stuff it just takes a long time but you know I wish it would have came out sooner but we're just glad it's out now. And uh, we're proud of it. You know what I mean? Like we we feel like we we put everything we possibly could into this record, and um, you know we hope people are enjoying it. Yeah, that's really got to charge your batteries, I imagine, to to be out on the road with new material to play. 
you know, I think a lot of people, you know, when you're touring on your first album, you only have, you know, X amount of songs people are aware of. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, when you mentioned you had to do that many shows, I imagine sometimes you, you're kind of getting a little burnout on some of those tracks. Did you guys introduce any of the new material uh, on the road before the album? We had started playing a few tunes, probably three or four songs we kind of put in and out. But then, you know, when we actually made this record, so much of the songs changed drastically that, um, you know, you could some people could even even recognize the song now compared to when we may have played them on the road. But we always try to test stuff out if we can because um, it's a good way to bounce it off and see what the feedback is and see if people are digging it live, you know? Yeah. That'll be cool, you know, 30 years from now when you guys do the new medicine box that you can unearth some of those recordings of those songs that made the album before they were on the album. Oh, yeah, they're night and day. Some of them are night and day, like you couldn't even... Yeah, exactly. So hopefully it'll be a rarity um, someday if people yeah. still listen to that stuff. <laughs> yeah. The, um, you're, you're on the road right now with Am I Correct Pop Evil? Yeah, yep, yep. we're out with uh, Pop Evil right now. We start... Um, some shows with them tonight. We're in Columbia, South Carolina tonight, and uh, we're going to be playing uh, three more shows with them um, on this run. So, okay. super fun band to tour with. I'm excited about it. Yeah, those guys, they're, they've been good to Pittsburgh, and I think Pittsburgh's been pretty good to them. They seem to come through constantly, you know, so it's great to see. Oh, they're from your neck of the woods, aren't they? You guys are, am I correct? You're well, both up in the Michigan. north? Yeah, we're from Michigan. We're from Minneapolis, but actually, our, our drummer now, our new drummer, and... Uh, we have a guitar player that plays with us live. Um, they're brothers, and they are from Pittsburgh. So uh got a little Pittsburgh love in our band, uh, Dylan Wood and Ryan Wood from Pittsburgh. And so awesome. it's cool uh, to, to bring them in as well. But we're all northern, you know, pop people are from Michigan. Our sound guy is actually from Grand Rapids, so he knows all the guys in the band. So it's kind of cool. Um, um, it's a, kind of a cool family. It's a small world that he's out there and, and do all these people that um, – all friends and stuff, so it's awesome. uh, it's an awesome, awesome tour. Awesome. Do you guys have plans to be on the Pop Evil string of dates? Um, yeah, on November eleventh, uh, we start up with uh, Hailstorm, and we're supporting them on their whole headlining run. And we're also doing on some of the off days, we're doing um, some headlining shows as well. We're doing probably eight or nine spread across November and December. So. Um, Supporting Hailstorm is going to be a killer. I mean, I know a lot of the shows are already sold out. And like I said, we, we, we grew up in the scene together, and fans have watched both of our bands together. So it's cool. We haven't toured together in a long time, in like two years. So it's cool to go back out and, and with um, friends. And, 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 and then the, the audiences always seem to enjoy seeing us again because they're fans of both bands. It's just a cool package, you know. Awesome. Yeah, it'll be great. And it's good to see, you know, bands like a Pop Evil, yourself, uh, Hailstorm, uh, you know, a new generation of hard rock and metal bands kind of, you know, getting success. You know, you know, for so long it had been, you know, bands from the 80s and the 70s that kind of ruled the world. Uh, but it's nice to see, you know, Black Veil Brides or a Hailstorm uh, charting in the high positions. You know, it's wonderful. So I wish you all the best, Jake, and uh, hopefully we'll get you back into Pittsburgh very soon. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you taking the time, and I appreciate all your support, man. My pleasure. All right, that about wraps it up for Iron City Rocks, episode 252. Again, a thank you to Jake Shearer of New Medicine. Check them out with Hailstorm uh, through the month of December. They're going to be doing a show in Cincinnati 
Fortunately, nothing in Pittsburgh right now, but I'm sure we'll see them before too long. Also, the Black Veil Bride's coming in on uh, November 17th to Stage AE for a show there. So get your tickets to that while you still can. I am sure it will be packed as well. So I want to get those while you can. Also, check out the new record from the Black Veil Brides, uh, which is available now. So until next time, you can catch us at ironcityrocks.com. Facebook and Twitter.com forward slash Iron City Rocks, or you can always drop us an email at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. We appreciate any and all feedback. So, till next time, take care. <laughs>